0: This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
2: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Rairston. I am your host today and we're recording on a Friday afternoon here in Manchester, for some of us in Manchester at least, because Samuel's still down in the south, waiting for West Ham on Sunday. But I'm joined by my two colleagues, Samuel Luckhurst, as I've mentioned, and Rich Fay, who were both down on the south coast. Uh, Was it the sunny south coast, lads? Down at Brighton on Thursday night where... Manchester United were defeated 1-0. It was very, very sunny. I can see you with your tan there, Samuel. That's why I said that. Uh, defeated 1-0 uh, by Brighton in the end. A very, very <laughs> late goal. A cruel way to, to concede in the end. However, yeah, Brighton were probably good value for their win, as we'll get into. But first of all, uh, Samuel, how are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Uh, a little bit tired, but that's that's to be expected after a pretty gruelling day. But it did, it did help uh, the... The weather in in Brighton, and uh, I, I I might save the story for for the end of the podcast, like like Rich's Vessel story at Fulham. But uh, there was a there was a decent Larry David Curbio enthusiasm style moment on the M6 toll uh, that that was that was the real victory of the day. So uh, that it was it was a day not without so that's, gains. That's a 30s, <laughs> <tease>, isn't it? <laughs> Is there you <Yeah>. sitting <laughs> in the greenhouse as
2: well? for the listeners who are on yeah, this is, uh,
0: this is my, <laughs> uh, my parents yeah I know it's it's pretty warm in here but this this is my parents conservatory I've um, set up shop down here for uh, for a few nights given the uh, the travel chaos that the coronation brings and and also the fact that United do at West Ham on Sunday yeah makes sense Rich how are you you've made the trip back up to Manchester
1: yeah it was a, a, a grueling this morning to get back from Brighton to, uh, to Manchester I was <laughs> contemplating sort of having a lazy morning and on the south coast but it was so grey and miserable that I thought let's go into to a grey and miserable Manchester instead but yeah it was a, it was a fun away day you know and for 95 minutes as we'll get into it was probably okay for United they would have settled for a point but oh well how the tables have turned yeah, well, It was the a fun away in the end for the United fans who travelled
2: down in the, and they drew obviously to the match. I mean, it's not been a, a happy place to visit as did the Amex over the last few seasons. That horror show last year, the 4-0. But at least, Samuel, at least it was just 1-0 this year. Improvement, improvement. it. Three fewer goals. Um, look, Brighton, I, I guess, with a better side after half the time, United had the chances, looked quite good. Did not take them. Um, how many times have we said that this season, really? Um, was that your verdict, leaving the stadium, Samuel, when you just thought, look, United should have took the chances, Brighton improved in the second half and eventually won the game and probably deserved it so? Uh,
0: if they'd got a point there, it would have been a positive point because Brighton are, are such a good side. I'd, I'd say they're better than two of the Champions League semi-finalists. I'd, I'd fancy them against either of the Milan clubs. And... Certainly, you know, I suppose what kind of told it a tale, even though it was all meaningless, was that after the ball grazed Luke Shaw's hand, you had a shot that Fernandes cleared off. It wasn't quite off his line, but he was there or thereabouts. The ball comes across, it narrowly misses a Brighton player, and then De Gea makes a save. Brighton were the ones who were really going for the win. United seemed to accept you know, that a draw would be a good result, and I think it would have been if, if they'd. Have Got four points against Brighton and West Ham. That would have been a good return, particularly given their Premier League form uh, away from home. But it was it was Brighton that were forcing the issue, and th- th- there are a lot of angles to it. Because as as Rich and I discuss, you, know, you go back to that very belated Fernandez penalty that was awarded after after the game had ended at Brighton um, a few years ago. You go to back to the the shootout last month, and then this game was decided by another penalty but although there was a very frantic 100th minute rewrite i think a lot what i'd already written stood because united are dreadful at scoring goals there's there's a lack of firepower in that team and an interesting plot strand from it was that five years ago at the amex they lost one nil and mourinho came out afterwards and he said he said to the reporter who asked the question it wasn't me and he said you should be disappointed because you keep asking, and he didn't mean him, he said he meant the media in general, because it was a topic at the time. He, you, you're always asking, why don't you play this player? Why don't you play that player? Why do you always play Lukaku? This player and that player were Marshall and Rashford. And of course, again, last night, five years on, Rashford and Marshall leave the Amex having not scored. I know it's not quite as black and white as that. And Rashford has become a pretty good goal scorer in the last four years, bar last season's aberration. Mourinho was right about Marshall. He was right then and he, you know, he he looks particularly prescient now and I'm sure we'll get into him. And unfortunately for United, I mean, Anthony was guilty of it as well. Second minute chance, he should hit the target at the very least. But in the second half, Marshall and Rushford changed positions and we've said time and again, and listeners must be sick to death of us saying the same thing, but it's going to be a, an issue until the very end of the season and Ten Hag, I think, certainly looking ahead to the cup final, he's gotta have someone playing up top who's in some relative form or some rhythm. Rashford's actually only scored five goals in his last sixteen games. He's had a brilliant season, but his goal scoring in the in the last last two and a bit months, it feels like, has not been particularly great. And one of those goals it wasn't it wasn't his goal in the League Cup final. It was a clear own goal, but the EFL's uh, incompetence extends to extends to the uh, dubious goals panel. It seems that was abolished years ago. So, the, the, I thought the first the, the first half performance United was was pretty good, and it was, a, it was a really good game as well. It was a travesty. It was nil nil for nearly a hundred minutes because there were plenty of chances. There was some excellent attacking play, and um, I, I I chatted to our editor I, when I was filing the ratings. I said this is going to be the kiss of death here but I've done the rating provisionally, and the headline said Manchester United player ratings as Luke Shaw and David De Gea are good and I'd have Shaw down as 8 out of 10 pretty much the man of the match he didn't put a foot wrong but he did put his hand in the air and that undid all his good work so it was a it was a real pity for him but you, know, you knew as soon as you saw it and he knew as soon as that, that decision was being checked that, it was, that a penalty was going to be given so of all the bad defeats they've had this season, this was bad in a different way, it was just a, a pretty bitter way to take it.
2: That Rashford start's quite interesting, I hadn't actually realised that. He has given us the impression, since he's come back from injury, that he might not actually be fully match fit. So, if you guys agree with I've been watching him, I don't think he looks 100% sharp and 100% on it. I did notice actually in Club Media I did an interview um, mid-week and I was laughing because he was full of cold, so maybe he was a bit under the weather. <laughs> Maybe that's an excuse for not finding the battle yeah, of yeah. um, Rich, look, the poor away we've talked about it time and time again. And as Samuel said, we're kind of banging our heads off the walls at this stage. All the listeners are. Um, you tweeted after the game, and they took one point away from home from the top nine this season. And if you manipulate those statistics a little bit further, they've only actually defeated Fulham and Wolves in the top 15 this season in the Premier League um, away from home. So it just shows you that on the road, this team are really struggling, aren't they? Um, and it's, that's a really big problem that needs to be addressed.
1: It almost feels like they've done a reverse Solskjaer. Under Solskjaer, <laughs> you'd back them against all the big teams and they'd be dreadful against the smaller teams in the league. And now they beat the Minnows away from home quite comfortably. You think of basically everyone was threatened of relegation, United have gone to their place and won this season. And you know, that's, that is a positive, that's a step in the right direction. But you're right, against these bigger teams, they just don't seem to to have it in them. I'm, I'm not sure why that is which is probably the ultimate question isn't it and the one that Ten Hag needs to answer this summer i think a lot of it is down to, to to personnel i think it's the fact that you know united as samuel said even in terms of the strikers but in terms of all areas of the pitch are still relying on players who have had question marks next to their names for for half a decade now and they and they and they've not been sort of moved on and you know it's it's a real tricky one to solve. You can't just carry on saying throw money at it, throw money at it. But I do think that that is a huge element of this. I think also just the, the tactical approach of these bigger teams in, in the league, t- they, they tend to be set out to attack and they know how to get past United's attempts at a at press. The smaller teams sit back, invite United to attack a bit more and that caters to the likes of Casemiro, Fernandes and Eriksen, creative things from deep. But against teams who are in your face and running and erratic and have that energy... United just can't match it, and I think that was apparent again uh, on Thursday night. For the first half, United did kind of match Brighton. They pressed really well early on. They should have scored. Anthony should have scored after two minutes. I don't care how early on in the game it is. He always seems to need a few attempts to fine-tune his finishing, and maybe on the third or fourth attempt, he'll, he'll find the back of the net or, or the target, but he's got to, got to work on that, and inexcusable miss for a player of his quality, I think, to not get that on target. And You know, United did match Brighton. They were just as good as them for the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But then that energy went. They were sapped. They were depleted. Ten Hag keeps on saying that his players are given their role. He's really happy with their fitness levels. And yes, they've had this gruelling season. They've played more than any other team in in Europe. You know, and there's going to be a detriment to that. You've got to think of the players' welfare. Lots of these United players were involved in the World Cup as well. So even when they've technically had a rest from club football, they've not had a rest whatsoever but United's energy levels dropped in the second half they couldn't they couldn't match Brighton and as Samuel said the goal in a way didn't really change much it meant that United didn't get a scrappy point that you know would have been a real boost it meant that they lost and they could have few complaints really because they were on the ropes for the last 20 minutes or so Brighton were excellent they responded in style and they had that extra motivation I think it be said post-match you know that It really did pain them the way they lost in the cup semi-final. And he thinks that they are the better team and they went and showed that in the end. And for United, this record doesn't have a quick fix. I think it's tactical in terms of being able to cope with the press better. But I think a lot of it is still down to personnel. Ten Hag just simply doesn't have the players to play with the intensity for as long as he needs them to.
2: Yeah, I definitely felt the game was heading only one way. Um, in those latter stages, didn't it? Um, Samuel, in press conferences Tenog's kind of played down the away form I've noticed when he's been asked about it actually and he's been increasingly asked about it over the last few weeks or the last month and a half when I think it's starting to become more of an issue and people are starting to realise it was perhaps once under the radar. I thought it was interesting ahead of kick-off, he discussed uh, a bit more head-on and he, he said it was about personality and about character and obviously Rich has just loved at the, the kind of the tactical aspects of it and coming out in the second half they do lack intensity they just don't seem to have the same energy sometimes after half time but is that a massive thing in that dressing room in these away games I know we've discussed about it quite a lot on this podcast we've, against Newcastle away from home we questioned the characters of the players Um against Sevilla we, we questioned it as well do you think that has a, a big say in it in these kind of performances?
0: In, in terms of the, the player's character or... or yeah, so or the, the characters
2: in the dressing room and the mentality on the pitch, I guess, from the
0: players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I think that Ten Hag, Ten Hag, with what he said in recent weeks, it, it's clear that, that there are certain players in the, in the dressing room, in the squad, that he doesn't think have the requisite character to make United uh, a, genuine, a genuine force again. Uh, you know, I think, as I said, I think at the start of the week in terms of having the right mentality and character, it doesn't mean you're always winning things. I mean, Liverpool didn't win um, things every season under Klopp, but even in seasons where they were coming close to City last season, a um, couple of seasons before that, when I think they finished with 97 points or whatever it was and, and only only came second, uh, the mentality was spot on and there was, no, there was little to change about uh, the, the squad they had. I think the season after they... Came second in 2019, and of course won the Champions League. I don't think they they didn't make a major signing in the summer, did they? I think they signed a, a like a a defender who has barely played for them. But it was almost as if they they knew that they were on the right path and they had complete faith in those players to get them over the line the next season. And they obliterated the competition, and the, the league was won uh, before before the clocks went forward. Um, and, and of course there was just the delay because of the pandemic united have got a long long way to go to get to that that level and in order to get to that level it all comes down to personnel because the, the manager is is completely right i don't think anybody is disputing that he's he's not perfect there have been issues over the last month with his game management maybe the pressure is has told there in, in certain ways and um, certainly when you when you're in that when, when you're in April and you're you are a manager, we don't have, we're not managers, but we know that it's a different kind of pressure from managing Ajax to managing Manchester United. I mean, when Ten Hag took Ajax to the Champions League final, they're riding a crest of a wave. Um, you don't, you, they, they had no expectation of doing that at the start of the season. With United, the expectations are different. In the Europa League, they were the favourites to win it pretty much after Arsenal went out to Sporting Lisbon. So that that was a failure and it was a big failure as well given how badly they lost to Sevilla going from 2-0 up um after 80 minutes in the first leg and losing 5-2 on aggregate when that happens there are there are character defects in that squad and they keep repeating the same mistakes whether it's poor finishing uh the, the shot selections when Marshall's opportunity last night looking at it again we're <laughs> We're not professionals. We're not experts, and certainly my shooting five aside is pretty dreadful. But I'm looking at, it, I'm thinking, all he's got to do is, is if he keeps it down, the likelihood is that it's going to go past Steele. But if you're going to, you know, get some elevation onto it, it's difficult for the goalkeeper not to save it. And the the, the sponsors at the stadium did Brighton a massive disservice because they nominated Steele as the man of the match when I think every save he made I could have made. The most impressive save in all night by far was De Gea's from Alexis McAllister. And as I said, prior to that handball, I thought Shaw was, was the best player on the pitch again. Shaw's a player who has the character. There are plenty of others in that squad, but there aren't enough. And I agree with Rich, there are tactical elements to it. They were certainly against Arsenal, which was another one of those defeats that wasn't like one of the, the worst defeats in terms of performance-wise, but they were caught between two stools. They, there was a real indecision about them, particularly after they equalised. When they equalised, you thought they can take the game to Arsenal now, and they, they led that game as well. They went 1-0 up, but there was an uncertainty about them, and when you looking at it that day, I think everybody knew then how, how limited this team was, and this team, this squad, has a ceiling. And it's 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 another it's another big summer coming up, and the uncertainty doesn't help. But uh, yeah, the United have done their forward planning, and uh, they've certainly marked the card of, of, of a number of players. Who I think it's you know, when you when you look at those players who we know uh, that United regard as sellable assets. Um, I don't think anybody would quibble about their futures, and all, all that their futures should be away from Old Trafford.
2: Before we move on, Samuel has been very modest there uh, discussing his, uh, his five-a-side ability because I've got a well-played source, a very well-played source, <laughs> who informed me at the halfway line last week of 5 aside side on his weak foot, first time, Samuel Rifle one on top corner. Samuel, can you confirm more than I? Uh, my sources. Uh, it, it
0: wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't halfway line, but it was left-footed. It was on the run. It went <laughs> in off the post, and, and it was. It was a great goal. It was a great goal. Uh, I. I, was, I really did surprise myself. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, we'll leave it there for part one. we we'll back in a moment for part two.
0: The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. Source of destiny. Yes. It's the Smucker's Uncrustables podcast with your host, Uncrustables.
1: Okay, today's guest is rough around the edges. Please welcome Crust. Thanks for having
0: me. Today's topic, he's round with soft pillowy bread. Hey. Filled with delicious PB&J. Are you talking about yourself? And you can take him anywhere. Why'd you invite And we are out of time. Are you really cutting me off? Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust.
2: Rich, we'll start by looking at some individual performances a bit closer then. Um, I think it's fair to start with Shaw, who, as Samuel said, we was discussed his play ratings, I thought was fantastic. Again, he's made kind of an effortless transition to centre-half, where he's played quite a few times this season, actually. He says he enjoys the position. Um, but he was really good, wasn't he, up until, obviously, the handball in those dying moments. And So how impressed have you been with him since he's relocated to central defence? And it says a lot about his performances, doesn't it, that Harry Maguire on the bench last night he's obviously come back and there's not much discussion about him is there? It's all went a bit quiet because everyone's just looking at Shaw he's doing his work incredibly well and McQuarrie's just not going to get back on the team when was playing like that
1: uh, No we spoke to Shaw after the game the quotes will be out late Saturday night for the Sunday ahead of the West, West Ham game and it was weird because obviously Shaw came to the mixer and away from the cameras he was really you know, down on himself really harsh on himself again and you know, that shows how, how much he's owning this, this mistake. He's not trying to hide away from it. He didn't leave the Amex with a hood over his head. He, he confronted, you know, the, the press and said, you know, this was down to me. I lost as the point. But I almost felt like saying to sure. Shaw, I mean, well played. Because he did play well for 95 minutes. And as Samuel said, he didn't put a foot wrong. He just put a hand wrong momentarily. And that's what cost United the game. And it is those fine margins at the top level that do so often dictate these matches and can determine the results. So often in the past, United have had... I've been the beneficiary really of, of moments like that. And right now they're still a team in transition and they've got to just maybe deal with the fact that they do, these things do happen. That is that is football. And, you know, whatever happens this season, if United were to somehow miss out on top four football, it wouldn't be because Luke Shaw's hand-bought the Amex. There'd be a lot of other factors in, in, involved in that. But I think he's been really good. I think I've been really impressed with him. And long-term, you could even argue that he's maybe better at centre-back than he is at left-back in a way. But the problem is United don't have anyone else at left-back at this moment in time that you'd really want to be playing there. Dalo had a another sort of mixed game, but that's not his natural position. So it'd be too harsh to criticise him there. Malassia, a mixed bag. You know, for every good performance he has, he has worrying ones as well. Maybe someone like Alvaro Fernandez in a few years down the pipeline might be someone who could play left-back for, for the first team and then sure could play a bit more centrally. But... I think just what's encouraging now is that Lissandro Martinez, we'd all say is undroppable. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. And this is no disrespect to Martinez, but if United are missing him now, it's not as big a blow because you'd be quite comfortable putting Shaw there as that left-footed centre-back. Yes, he's not got exactly the same skill set, but he's got many of the technical abilities 10 Hag wants from a a centre-half. He's got the right mentality, the right attitude. He really does care. He really does want success with this United side. And... I think you know he he does deserve credit, as odd as it seems. And I I know that it can, for some cynics, it might feel like why are you, why are we all trying to save the scapegoat. Do you know what I mean, why are we trying to stop him being the sacrificial lamb? Why are we trying to protect him so much? <laughs> but he was really good, and I think you've got to give him credit for that. And he's got this chance going forward now. Hopefully, in these last few games, to to prove that that he's good enough as well and 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 can do it. And yeah, I think you've also got to. Consider that it would have been such a satisfying clean sheet for United. They would have gone level with Barcelona on twenty-seven clean sheets this season if they'd kept one. You know, last night and they didn't, so we can't go too much into <laughs> Spoiler, that. But it? I do think, yeah, I do think that <laughs> for large parts of the game, I know Brighton dominated and they had a lot of shots, but they didn't always. Get into those key areas in the box. There weren't too many clear cut opportunities they missed. And it was similar to the Tottenham game, I thought, in that the centre backs weren't at fault from, from open play that often. I know they give away the free kick at the end and then there's the handball, but for the majority of the game, they coped okay. And the, the real test now is how United react to it. And I think Shaw's mentality to come out after the game and, and speak to the press and, and insist on doing it and to apologise, you know, that. That is a positive going forward for United. That they've got characters like that that will own it. They don't hide away and try and avoid the blame. They will take responsibility. And now, the time for talking is over. They've got to go and walk the walk on, on Sunday evening. But yeah, in, in a weird way, I thought, I thought Luke, Shaw, Luke Shaw did play well.
2: No, I think that's nicely said, Rich. I completely agree, and I think most would agree with that he did play well. Um, it's just football's a funny, funny game, isn't it? If you handball in the last minute, you will get a, a little bit of slack. Um, Samuel, let's talk about Marshall then from a good performer, for an excellent performer (laughs) I was just talking about his finishing (laughs) sarcasm just to clarify Um, his finishing you know it's been quite poor Um, he obviously didn't take his chances against Brighton as you've just discussed in the first part Um, I don't think he's been actually that good since he came back his link up play um, he's had his moments where he's looked at an asset um, but, you know, I think it's, it's time for the club, it's, we all know the story with Marshall. I think Neville said that, if we didn't need Gary Neville, we'll know what the situation is. Um, United are obviously interested or the priorities to sign a striker in the summer, and um, I've put it to you a few times that they might actually need two strikers, because with Marshall looking how he is, and, you know, let's say Harry Kane comes in, would you agree that perhaps they're going to need a, another clinical forward perhaps, and maybe get creative in the market, because this team is really screaming out for a goal scorer, or maybe two.
0: I, I completely see your point and especially with v- Vekhorst who's got two goals in 26 uh, and, and nobody's really surprised by that either that they they do need to have something in mind there but again it's the nuances of that The, the you know the, you lose count of them because they have to get they have to try and get Marshall out because there is some resale value there um, of the players who are not going to be who aren't cut out for taking United forward. He is one of them. So, given his contract situation, it's sensible to look for a buyer and try and cash in, and then see what you can do with with strengthening um, other areas of the squad. I don't think in this day and age, as well, like the whole thing of. Do you need two number nines? A lot of teams would say no. Um, City don't have two number nines. I know Alvarez is... Um, I mean, backup. To dub him as backup to Haaland would probably do him a disservice. But he's such a fluid forward and he's he's, he's a decent goal scorer as well. Um, my dad said last night that apparently Paul Ince, who has never been renowned for his punditry, shall we say, or his management, he was a very good player, but since, uh, since his playing career, he's not... Not really um, had much joy, uh, but he said that apparently Marshall is is scoring goals for fun. Now he's he's he, got he also two said in Bambu Bambu also the, this season.
2: Yeah, he said Bumpersack is one of the best defenders in the world. My eyebrows oh. raised. A lot. Don't get as long as he's made a little. <laughs> little Marshall must it, not season.
1: be having much fun then. Must he? If he if he scores goals for fun, he must be quite uh, down on himself. <laughs> well, exactly.
2: Yeah. Did Inns have? Did he have the wine at half time? Did he come out? Hey, he, he, well, yeah. yeah I mean? Maybe yeah, that was yeah. a possibility.
0: Or maybe he had it already, and they brought out the bottle, <laughs> and it was it was empty. Who, who knows? Uh, not, not that we're uh, making any uh, such allegations, but uh, yeah. but as I said, like this this Marshall period early in the season when he was coming on in games and doing quite well, it was like, yeah, yeah. They, they, there's there's a justifiable argument that they're better off with him. Then when he's fit and he has a run of starts. You remind, you're reminded why they need a striker because he doesn't score enough goals, he doesn't work hard enough, he doesn't complete 90 minutes and he's always prone to injury. I mean, last night, Ten Hag really did get... He, he lost his rag with him, he slapped his thighs and he uh, uh, admonished him and we knew that he was even though the first couple of substitutions didn't um include marshall coming off you still know he's not going to complete 90 minutes because he never completes 90 minutes in the in the premier league it's it dates back to january 2021 and it says a lot about him that Val their comes on and replaces him and their is useless uh it, there's, it's all commitment no quality with marshall there is quality but the commitment's not there when when he actually came back to the bench after coming off because he had to go off the pitch at the far side wherever it was, it felt like it'd been about 10 minutes since he came off. And I said to Rich Crikey, he's just, he's just actually appeared now. So even when he's walking around the pitch, he I, I can confirm he moves pretty much at the rate that he moves on it. And the, the, the parallel with what happened at Brighton five years ago is pretty fascinating with Marshall because it applies mainly to him. A month after that game... His agent came out and said he wanted to leave. And then, of course, you've got this power struggle. And it, it the, the pre-season tour happened where he went AWOL because his partner was giving birth and he was fined. And his, his relationship with Mourinho never really recovered. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the club were always there. And you knew it because... That was the move of the club at the time. They're always going to back the player over the manager. Marshall and Pogba are two great examples that at United you always back the manager over the player because indulging both of them has not been remotely justified. Neither of them have made good on the, the, the perks that have come uh, with uh, their rewards or their remuneration or, or their privileges. And it's, it's remarkable thing. Marshall's been at United for um, nearly eight years now. He turns twenty nine next year, and there'll still be some cranks out there that are talking about his potential. But you just got to cut loose now. He's not cut out for it. He's got to be cut loose. He's given United some great moments, but it's just it's it's the same record being played every week with him. Maybe he'll salvage his season with with something in the running, but I, I certainly wouldn't be waiting with bated breath for that
2: yeah it's probably time to say goodbye i think we'd all agree with uh anthony marshall um or au revoir um the fact that the attack didn't really fire did it rich let's let's be honest about it i mean you kind of picked up on uh, anthony's performance i noticed with your piece for the morning um and i was just quickly got up with stats there from the season i mean nine goals uh sorry eight goals and, and four assists Online, it goes into two assists, goes sack me. transfer market there with the separation of the stats. But <laughs> I was just wondering, what, what do you think is going to be a successful season uh, for Martial next year? Because I know your kind of angle was that kind of game that performance summed them up really is Tammy United so
0: far. Do you mean um, Anthony, you know, Stephen? Well, who have I said, Samuel? You said Marshall. You, said you, Anthony, you did it. Oh, Anthony, there you go. Anthony, you know, it turns it out. It was, is. It is. And um, the, there are too many Antony's at United. It turns out cool. I've actually been drinking the bottle of wine, not Poland's, so
2: I can confirm. I've had the bottle of wine before. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Rich. I was the uh, head was messed in the stats okay. there. Anthony, Brazilian Anthony, is who I'm talking about. Um, what looks like a, a successful season for him next year in terms of goal contributions? And what does he have to do to be considered a successful signing, really? Because a hefty transfer fee arrived, obviously high expectations on his shoulder, but it's been a, probably a thing in different in, season, inconsistent season, hasn't it? He showed flashes of his ability but it's not always being seen across 90 minutes and he obviously had that moment last night didn't he, where he lost his head a little bit um, but Tenal came out and defended him didn't he? I guess that's why he, he likes Anthony because he's got that kind of fiery character. Him.
1: Yeah that's why I love the South American contingent really because they've got that fight and that passion and that tenacity that United need. You think of all the great United teams you know they didn't take crap on the pitch, did they? They had a bit of fight about them, and they, you know, they knew how to hold their own. And if United want to be the best team, you know, in the Premier League again, and best team in Europe, then they need to have that that inner fight. And I think players like Anthony are, are, are crucial to that. I mean, the the Brighton game was Anthony's fortieth appearance for United. Like you said, there, what's he got? Eight goals, four assists.
2: Eight goals and two assists. I'll get that Three right gosh. for the second time.
1: <laughs> okay, eight goals, two assists. I mean, I I, I suppose. You're expecting hopefully to get close to double figures in both, ideally for next season. And you know, there's two things about Anthony that has always gone to be a disadvantage. One, he's a winger, so he's always going to have the goal contributions held against him. Whereas you watch some of the best players in Europe, it's not always just about their own output, it's what they do in the build up, it's how crucial they are to the way the team plays. If Anthony can can work on his link-up play and become that crucial to United's attack, then the goals and assists will come, but they also don't matter as much because his impact's felt elsewhere. But, I mean, some more goals will definitely shut his critics up. And the other thing is the price tag, which United have paid too much for Anthony. We all know that. You look at his record from, from Dutch football, that is not a an £85 million player United are committing to spend on him. That is not an £85 million player. You look at Matoma last night for Brighton, he's everything you want from a winger. Anthony is not right now. Anthony has those abilities. He's got all the raw attributes. He's going to need time. He's going to need patience. But he's a work in progress. And he certainly can get to a, a level you, you sense when he can repay that price tag and where he can be an elite world class footballer. But he just has so much work to do. Uh, another key aspect for me as well is the fact that he only moved to Europe, what, 2021? He's just only had two years now. In European football, never mind the Premier League. What was it, 2020? Yeah, he's not. He's still new 2020, to 2020, I think. To, yeah, yeah. 20, January 2020 was it, or, or summer 2020? So he's approaching his third year now in European football as well. So he's still new to Europe as, as much as he's new to England as well. So he needs time to bed in and and to hit the ground running. I think from next season we should be able to to judge him fairer. Another key aspect, I think, of, of Anthony's whole dilemma. Is he doesn't have that static center forward, or someone who's who's good through the middle really, is a consistent player for him to link up with, for him to put the balls into the box for, and you know, for him to to get more assists really. Because we saw in that forest game, and I know it was only forest, but he has got that ability, he knows how to wait a pass, he knows how to time a run, he's got that intelligence. And I think once he's got an established forward line that he's part of, he will become a much more potent option himself because imagine Anthony's there cutting inside, plays a one-two of a striker who's actually in the box. He can lay it back off and he can have a go at goal. It does feel like he's having to do things alone quite a lot. He goes on this one-man mission. I think there are some raw, sort of crude similarities between him and Ronaldo's first season at United in a way that's maybe too much about the flamboyance and trying to prove himself than it is about contributing to the team. Obviously, you know, it's and the both he's going to go and very win five bound doors, but... isn't he? Anthony will. Ronaldo was yeah, right, just yeah, right. just, yeah as well. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that there is, yeah, I think there is something about him. And of course, Ronaldo was much younger as well than Anthony when he first joined United. You know, Anthony is twenty three now, so he's getting he'll he'll be much closer to. He needs to be hitting his peak much earlier than the Ronaldo. You know, there's, there's less expectation Ronaldo immediately uh, than the point he is on on Anthony because of the price tag, but. You know, he's a work in progress. He's still an anomaly. I think it's too early for us to start judging him You know, too harshly right now. There has been enough evidence. And I said to Samuel, I said it in my piece as well, that you'll find out if someone's a, a pessimist or an optimist if you ask them to evaluate his, his season so far. Because... For some people he's got all the raw attributes to be world-class and for others he looks you know like a one-trick pony he's a who's a waste of money to be quite frank with you and it's down to him now to to prove where he goes the, the fact is ten Hag is an optimist he likes him he'll give him the chances he will give him the opportunity but the fact of the matter is that, that he's got to deliver now mm-hmm. and with someone like ahmad coming back from his loan this summer with a point to prove someone who is getting the goals of the assists that's the kick at the backside that anthony needs to really take his game to the next level
2: can't please everyone, can you Rich? Certainly can't comment
1: football, but I think it's a good
2: point you made about his link-up play. Um, I think when I've been watching United over the last few weeks or last few months, I've been thinking what would the look like with Harry Kane in there? And he was, he's fantastic a link-up play. Harry Kane saw it over the years with his partnership with Henry and Son and the way they link up to, to deadly effect and the goals and assists they both produce. And I think it would be fantastic to see Kane with Rashford on the left and Anthony on the right and that would be a deadly, deadly front three. Um, We'll leave it there though guys for part 2 and we'll be back in part 3 for a look ahead to West Ham on Sunday afternoon. So Samuel, you're back in the capital on Sunday across the London Stadium, Um, an old former United manager, David Moyes at the helm, West Ham obviously struggling this season, Um, top half last season but towards the bottom this year, 34 points but they're starting to pick up, I think the last few games have started to look a bit better, so what are your expectations really? We've discussed United's away form and how they tend to struggle in those kind of games. So on paper, it's actually going to be a bit of a tricky game, isn't it? Because they do need to win here or they do need at least to get a point because Liverpool are starting to breathe down their necks in, in fifth.
0: That That's absolutely true. I think it's it's like uh, Alan Partridge with uh, still good news about the chocolate oranges in that it's still good news about playing a team in the bottom seven of the table because United have, have beaten the other six. They've they faced away from home. Um, so I think that's what Southampton, Leicester, Leeds, Everton, Wolves, and another one that I should have named, but I, but I've not been able to, or I can't can't think of their name now. But they've they've, they've beaten all of them, and so I think that probably gives them a bit of a fillip going into this game. Despite the the manner of the defeat at Brighton, they've they have done it at these at, at the fodder in the league, if you like. And I think they've kept quite a few clean sheets against these teams as well. Certainly did against Leeds, Wolves. Southampton, Leicester, um, they didn't at Everton, yeah. but they've you know they've had similar wins against them as well. I think Forest was probably the most dominant um, because it's I suppose it's not too difficult if if you play well on the day to dominate Forest, given that they are for all intents and purposes a, a team of individuals, given the way they were assembled. Uh, I'm I'm still not quite sure whether the fact that West Ham have got a European semi final in midweek is going to be. A help or a hindrance for United—that uh, that could go either way because it's it's the first leg for West Ham that are playing. I think it's against Outmar next Thursday, so I don't think there's I don't think David Moyes would necessarily be looking to make wholesale changes to rest them now. I think if the game was coming in between the two legs, that would have been a possibility. Arsene Wenger certainly did that uh, at Old Trafford in one of his last last games as Arsenal manager because that fell between the two the two um, semi-final games against Atletico Madrid and, and Arsenal played a shadow side at Old Trafford. They completely tossed it off. And a lot of managers do that, especially with the Thursday-Sunday schedules. It's Everybody knows, everybody doesn't like a Thursday-Sunday schedule. I think Rich probably is one of the few does because it does allow him to get along to his beloved Wrexham at 3pm on a Saturday. Um, so that's that's probably the only perk for those who, who want to go along to, to a, a match at get get their football fix on a on a saturday off but I, I i do fancy united to win this one purely because of their record against the teams that are lower down the table in the bottom half um as as you said with that stat against the the, the better teams in the league away from home there are so many original ways of making it sound dreadful i think six points from 33 against the the top 12 is is you can another one. It today, can't you? but Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I mean, however, way you manipulate it or or you um, present it, it it doesn't it doesn't reflect well on United, but it does help them that for the rest of their games uh, they've they've got they've got four home games, haven't they? Out of six, and their home form has been pretty pretty excellent this season. I think it's just the two games they've not won at home in in the Premier League against Brighton and Leeds, but given them, as I said, because they lost that game in midweek against Brighton, I always felt if they'd taken four points from these two games this week, that would have been pretty good going. I don't think anybody expected them to take six points. I don't think anybody seriously expects them to beat Brighton, frankly. So, and, and, and as Ten Hag said, when they have had a setback this season, they have tended to respond with a win, although I'd say the midweek setback, you wouldn't categorise it with the dreadful... Defeats to Sevilla and Newcastle, Liverpool, City, uh, Brentford. It was a it was a different variety of a of a, of a bad defeat. But I, I I do fancy United to to actually respond this weekend. If they don't, then you, you're really going to see the, the true nature of the character of this team. Because I think I think do Liverpool play on Saturdays? They could be three points behind yeah, United yeah, at kick off. Brentford five yeah. thirty kick off. Yeah, so it'll be very. interesting. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Indeed.
2: Uh, Changes, Rich. Let's discuss some changes, as David Bowie once said. Uh, I'd probably have Sancho on the left. I'd probably play Anthony on the right, not Anthony Marshall. And I'd have Rashford through the middle. I'd also probably return Ericsson to the side, actually, because I think Ericsson, Casemiro and Fernandez are the the uh, the three um, best midfielders available. Um, Would you agree with that? Would you make any changes
1: yourself? Would it be the, the same back four to play West Ham? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I, I do think that because West Ham you might get away with playing Malassia at left back again, just a bit of energy oh, and just to cool mix thing. it up. Jared um, Terrible wins on five. I Rich. think yeah, yeah, but I think I think United just need to freshen up a bit really. I think you can get too complacent sometimes by sticking with a team that you know, the players will be really they all be down themselves after the man of that that late defeat, you know, at Brighton. I think you've just got to, you know, yeah, just a bit of fresh energy in there and the, players who, who have a point to prove. I think you know, Melassia would be worth a go on the left, and then you can change it right back either dalo or Wampusaka, whoever you, you feel fit. Uh, I think what could be crucial for me as well as playing Fernandez back in that deeper midfield role if you can do it, play either Sabitzer or Ericsson in the more advanced attacking midfield role. I just think in, in recent weeks, Casemiro Fernandez link up play from as a midfield access has been really a joy to watch you know they've both been on the same wavelength they've made things happen uh, it's credit to fernandes that he will play wherever he's asked to and he'll just get on with it and you know still even against it gets brighton some of the balls we played were good you know it didn't all quite click mm. but he's at least got that yeah. idea those ideas he's got that energy so i i drop fernandes deeper i think that'll be important in the midfield battle playing one casemiro uh, mentioned as well on Casemiro very lucky that he's not suspended for Sunday because he definitely should have been set off taxes and yellow cards <laughs> isn't it. Casemiro, he loves yeah yellow yeah I mean the referee yeah. in general <laughs> there was a lot of yellow cards that should have been handed out but I think Casemiro was so lucky he got booked and then he should have got booked once or at least or maybe even twice afterwards and it was just a bit all a bit reckless and chaotic by the end so I put Eric's uh sorry yeah Fernandes and Casemiro Like you said, the fact that Eriksen didn't play at all, maybe that was the intensity of the game. Maybe the workload's been a bit too much for him since he's come back. I mean, I think it's refreshing, actually, that United have had a key player back and not just thrown him in and played him every single second he's been available because they've been guilty of that in the past. And it's its not always the, the right thing to do. And, you know, if you look at uh, Eriksen's three appearances against Brighton this season, he what was he? He was an unused sub. He played in the cup semi final was bad he plays a false nine in second game of the season so you know he's he's still someone that they need a proper alternative to him i think that was glaring against brighton i mean ten hog said it was the perfect game for fred i'd hate to see a game that's not perfect for fred and yeah the, the forward line was the forward line is tricky isn't it because Still, you've got three players who don't quite link up in the same play. They're all trying to do different things. You've got Rashford, who's very direct. Martial, who's Marshall, And you've got Anthony, who's trying to do things on his own, trying to cut inside, and the balance isn't quite there yet. But I, I agree with you. I think Sancho and Anthony do complement each other quite well as inverted wingers, and then Rashford through the middle. I mean, he's better than the alternatives, isn't he? So, yeah, I think for me, it would be Sancho on the left, Rashford through the middle, same as you. Either Eriksen or Sabat are in the field. Probably Ericsson because he's fresh, but I think Sabitzer as well is good at that that attacking midfielder role, driving into the box, and then Malacia at left back just to just to freshen things up, really. That'll be
2: interesting. Then if uh, Bowen's on form down that wing with Malacia, Um Samuel, just the end. Can you give us a very <coughs> quick uh, update on Wegeros' future? Who I've I haven't actually asked you about. And before we jump off, you've got to compete with Rich's story is picking a mixed story which was expertly told may I say myself oh uh, that was uh, I, I won't I won't be able guys. to
0: have the uh, same gravitas <laughs> so, uh, going so going give it, us an update on, on yeah. my gloss <clears throat> future and uh, do your best to compute for each on that front <clears throat> from what i've been told united have just decided that there won't be a a permanent deal there there wasn't an option to buy or an obligation to buy when they negotiated that, that loan arrangement with burnley Back in January, it's it's not particularly surprising news, given that as I said earlier, he's got two goals in 26 games. If, if his output had been indeed uh, both of them with with the goalkeeper literally lying down on the floor and, and the goal open. So, however, again, if you want to manipulate a, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not just stats you can manipulate. It's uh, it's even um, uh, phraseology of how how goals are scored and and how easy they are. But it's it's not, as I said, it's not surprising uh, when I was when I was told it, given that his it's, it's two goals and twenty six, and uh, that there would have been some logic, I think, in in keeping him permanently had his output actually been been good, because you talk about having a backup striker who's going to be quite cost efficient and actually um, you know is is aligned with. Uh, the, the way the team plays, but nobody, nobody's ever really seen that with with Vekos. He's he's a battering ram. He, as Gary Neville said, he, he shouldn't be at the club. Everybody knows why they went for him. They didn't have any money to spend in January. And Ten Hag, for, for better or for worse, he he seems to favour players who've who, whose, whose education has has been in in the Netherlands, and that that has served United well to a certain extent with. Ericsson and and, and Lissandro Martinez but with other players Taram Malacio is still quite young and maybe there's potential there but he's not he, he's been he's been the poorest permanent signing and with Vecos he was just a a stop gap. he was a, a slightly better version than the Igalo Nigalo at the time he signed unfortunately for Vecos his his scoring record is far worse than Igalo's. Igalo's was actually pretty good the the, the pandemic um, pretty much killed his United career up until then he was he was doing well and he went out on a high with that uh that half folly in in Linz come on somebody you can't get out that easy Where's oh it? right oh well okay <laughs> so this this is yeah this is my curb enthusiasm moment but of course if, you, if anyone's ever used the M6 toll you want to get into a, a vacant Bay uh, just to avoid being behind an idiot in a car who doesn't know what they're doing there wasn't a vacant bay, there were two vehicles in front of me. The first vehicle's taking a little bit of a while to, to get going, but eventually it got going. And then I'm behind the next vehicle in line and immediately I'm, I'm concerned because uh, the the Neanderthal, frankly, um, attempts to pay with his phone rather than his bank card, which, um, why would you do that? He tries it once, he tries it twice, it doesn't happen, his, his arm goes back into the vehicle. And then suddenly, from the passenger side, um, his his son, his stepson, whoever, his relative, this 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 chap who's probably in his late teens or early twenties and looks a looked a little bit like Dexter from Dexter's Lab, scurries out of the vehicle and to the boot, opens it. There's a bag in there that's the size of a body bag, and he's opening every zip compartment possible, clearly looking for the bank card. He can't find the bank card. Eventually, he seems he, I didn't see him pick up the card, but eventually he's done his job. Uh, he shuts the boot. There's no hand up, no sorry, you know, sorry to have kept you waiting. I've been waiting a good two minutes now. He goes back in goes back into the car, hands the card over to the driver. The driver pays. And I'm thinking, great, you know. And he pays it. I don't know the second or third attempt. He's, he he can't get the card work initially, but it, it does. And then he wants a receipt, and of course the receipt goes flying. Um, <laughs> and rather than the driver putting the gear stick into manual, handbrake on, he sends Dexter out round the car, scurrying after the receipt. And at that point, I thought, okay, I've, I've got a bib now because that's that's that. So I bib. This Neanderthal swore at me. Uh, I couldn't quite make out where it was. The M6 is, is near Birmingham. You know, nothing gets Brummies, but sometimes it's difficult to make out what they say. Uh, and apparently the other uh, the other uh, little, little Dexter swore at me as well and gave me a V sign. And eventually, once Dexter's back in the car, they go off. So it comes to my turn. I've got my card, of course. And the barriers come up immediately. And I discover that the idiot in front had actually paid twice and he'd paid for my m6 toll and the added bonus was that there was a receipt to gather so i actually made money <laughs> on it. i probably shouldn't declare that on a podcast but it, i suppose it's a, a decent payoff uh, uh, yeah. to it so yeah that was uh that, that was by far and away the most entertaining part of the journey uh d- down on the m6 southbound
2: that was excellent. See, Ty's in depression now. Ty's got to have a story we run out of time this season rich is he's the got business, day, isn't, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah Rich's rich was, was
0: great. great absolutely I know I, know I, was, I got told off at Brighton
1: as well I've not, not actually mentioned this but I got told off at Brighton because I thought the food in the press box the press lounge was self-serve but it wasn't oh, and no, the woman no. and posh. the woman came back out when I was sort of scooping chips onto my plate and I was having a, he- a hefty portion of, of everything. And she went, stay away from, from the pick hell.
2: and mix. You stay away from it. Yeah. I've been told about you. I've been more There's a the picture coming. of me doing that. <laughs> <but>, <laughs> Uh, um, just before we go then uh, a message to the listeners we've hit 2000 subscribers on YouTube so thanks for the support, head across there if you haven't already and subscribe plenty of content, we've got the Jimmy Murphy statue and unveiling on board and we've got extra podcasts coming your way following Eric Tenog's press conferences and they'll also be uploaded on YouTube so thank you very much for your time Samuel thank you very much Stephen appreciate it and thank you Rich as always thank you very much And to both the lads and to listeners, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you very much. Take care.